David, I love that candle you're burning. You seem to always have a great candle burning. I am very aware of how room smells. When you've spent over a decade with a 75 pound Labrador retriever and two teenage boys, you start to worry that your house smells like the inside of a gym bag. I would imagine so. You know what I wish we'd had for the last decade? What? That Puro Air Purifier we now own and use all the time. I love my Puro Air too. Did you know that indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? Yes, I lived with two teenage boys. I can 100% testify <laughs> to that. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Gases from a preteen boy? <laughs> I'm dreading when my nephews start making those gases. Just you wait. Thankfully, Puro Air uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. You wouldn't drink unfiltered tap water, so why would you breathe unfiltered air? Thanks to my Puro Air Purifier, I feel like I can breathe again. Check it out at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time, getpuroair.com. Check it out now. Hey friends, welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. And I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you joined us for this conversation. Let's dive in. We were over the moon recently to have a conversation with our new friend, Kate Bowler. Kate Bowler, PhD, is a New York Times bestselling author podcast host, and a professor at Duke University. She studies the cultural stories we tell ourselves about success, suffering, and whether or not we're capable of change. On her popular podcast, Everything Happens, Kate speaks with people like Malcolm Gladwell, Beth Moore, Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, and Anne Lamont about what wisdom and truth they've uncovered during difficult circumstances. Kate's work has received widespread media attention from the Today Show, the New York Times, the Washington Post, and NPR. Her TED Talk has been viewed more than 10 million times. She lives in Durham, North Carolina with her family and continues to teach do-gooders of all kinds. Okay, okay, so... We want to start with hearing a little bit about you. We obviously know so much or so much that's publicly out there about your story. That's never all of our story, obviously. But um, we feel like we hope every person listening is already familiar with all of your work. But if they're not, will you talk a little bit about your story, your family, growing up, and how you found your way to being mm. such a force for good in this world? Well, uh, sure. I'm, I'm from the middle of Canada and both my parents are professors. And for some reason along the way, I became obsessed with the idea that academia and just like studying, especially church history and religious thought was going to be the plan for my life. <laughs> and every time you make an amazing singular plan, it always works out. And that's the end of that story. <laughs> so, never mind. Uh, yeah. So I spent my twenties, uh, interviewing televangelists, which is just wow. a wonderful, just a wonderful way to 
<laughs> really, really waste your youth. And, uh, and I was, I was trying to make sense of the idea that, um, that what God really wants for all of us is fundamentally just to make us happy mm. and that God wants to make us happy and also bonus healthy and wealthy. And that this was a story about the prosperity gospel. And everyone mm. thought the story was either like a ridiculous caricature um, like, oh, I can't believe they think that or had like a secret hope that that was maybe entirely true. Mm. <laughs> and, which is, and I um, and so I wanted to write the first history of this idea. And I, I thought uh, an honest but compassionate way. Um, but I never thought that I was in any way the kind of person. I grew up Mennonite. So we love suffering, you know, just being a gentle bummer and making <laughs> furniture is kind of our main thing. <laughs> so don't take that away from us. And, um, but then, so, you know, was, but life just kept uh, unraveling. I, um, I just kept really hitting every road bump. I was really struggling to get pregnant. I had all these chronic pain, disability issues. I lost use of my arms for two years. That was the end of my twenties. And then I, and then I finally landed my dream job. I got this fancy Duke professor job when I was 29. And I was like, okay, this is it. Like I've locked it in. My dream is finally achieved. And actually my dad, my sweet historian dad, cause I grew up on the university of Manitoba campus, which has, um, so many, it feels like architectural tributes to the Stalinist era. It's just like, what else can be done with cinder block? We don't know. Let's discover that together. So when he saw my little like academic Shangri-La, my dad was like, oh, sweetie. I thought we we're going to have like a really nice moment. He's like, if you ever leave a place like this, I'll kill you. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I get, I get where this is going. So yeah, I finally, um, I, I got pregnant, had this perfect little Zach and had my dream job. And then it was right at that moment when I discovered that I had stage four cancer mm. and that I was probably not going to live throughout the year. And, uh, and I was so furious. I was so hurt. Uh, like I, it was, it was like the big feeling of like betrayal by God, I suppose. Like, well, I finally stuck the landing and you do this. So that was kind of the beginning of me realizing that I had like that there was something that was going to happen in the undoing and that mm. a lot of it was kind of related to my secret prosperity gospel feelings that maybe God was supposed to be conspiring to make my life happy. And then what am I supposed to believe? And that also just became the time when I stopped being just an academic, which I have loved being an academic, but I just, I, I thought, um, well, I'm not honestly going to be able to do this by myself. And so that's what started the kind of desire to write publicly and also just have a podcast, mostly because I I needed other people to think with yes. as I was going to try to figure out what to do with the rest of my life. Mm. Mm. Well, and out of that, you have written books that we love, recommend give Aww. us gifts shout from the rooftops about all the time <laughs> yes books like everything happens for a reason and other lies i've loved mm -hmm. no cure for being human and other truths mm -hmm. i need to hear good enough and the lives we actually live and kate you say there's no cure for being human but we are all good medicine and you mm -hmm. live that truth you absolutely <laughs> live that truth and will you just talk more about even what that can look like mm. Well, I guess I kind of hoped it would look like 
I don't know, maybe to, gosh, what, what do we even do in our 30s and 40s? You just think you're going to get somewhere where you've solved the problem, like solve the problem maybe of your own personality, mm-hmm. <laughs> solve the problem of like your all of your dreams, family togetherness, health, success, all that stuff. And I guess what I kind of learned as cancer went from a crisis to a chronic condition and then to just like, what does it mean to survive? I was like, oh, I guess we kind of are all doing that, right? Is we're moving into a place where we figure out like, well, what truths do I need that like bear up my life? Uh, if I'm never actually going to solve, <laughs> so solve my humanity. <laughs> so I, I really started thinking about our prosperity gospels and the way that especially like the story of health and wealth has become like a wellness philosophy that tells all of us that we are just sort of one time management strategy away, (laughs) (laughs) one clearing your inbox, (laughs) one cousin who recently discovered essential oils, you know, from like (laughs) trying to take every part of our life and fix it. So that's definitely my personality is like, I just want to fix everything. Uh, Everything's a problem to be solved. So I guess I've, I've been just spending a lot of time, like theologically, just trying to think about trying to live inside of this culture of exhausting perfectionism and, Mm. and maybe how to like live with a greater sense that, um, okay, well, like our humanity is, is, I mean, we're people to be loved, you know, not, not problems to be solved. Mm. (sighs) Okay. I'd like to talk about everything you're saying for 30 more hours. So, okay. (laughs) You mentioned the cancer, uh, and you were 35 when you were given that diagnosis. Yeah. I mean, that's right. I can't even imagine. And, and to have already spent these years researching good and hard with different folks, I'm sure some of whom you attached to their work and some of whom you probably didn't (laughs) as much. I'll name them all right now. Go ahead. I made a list. (laughs) (laughs) So just I mean, it's fascinating to have been in that work and then received this diagnosis. And like you said, as much as as we can probably say we don't adhere to the prosperity gospel, at some yeah. point, there are parts of that that we have attached to over the, the years. How has that impacted your perspective on good and on mm-hmm. hard in our lives, on suffering mm. in our lives? I because it I I think it was very humbling honestly for me to realize how personally invested I was mm. in the prosperity gospel. I mean, I really thought I was like, I, you know, I I didn't grow up Pentecostal or that particular flavor of evangelical. I, I would have thought, um, well, I don't deserve my life, um, and so I think that bit has been very humbling. (laughs) Now, when I see it everywhere, which is to say 90% of what is available at our local target, I, uh, I, I see so much of myself in it and it, it helps me. It, it helps give me, I I hope like a sense of sort of theological perspective of what we're up against. Mm. I think we're all up against this feeling that fundamentally who we are is, is wrong and in need of a solution, a solution that will be available in seven affordable monthly installments. <laughs> Let me just, just yes. give me your credit card number. Uh, and, and that we're just, it accidentally has transformed our culture into one of uh, 
almost perennial televangelism. I mean, really, social media has replaced most of what we used to just watch on late night TV in the 80s and 90s. And now everywhere you look, we have this really shiny, shellacked version of mm-hmm. what it means to 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 be a person of faith. I, I think a lot of us feel like failures most of the time now because of this, like, aggressive culture <laughs> that mm. we're in. So like, what is good? What's good when you feel like a loser? Yes. What is good when your health and your family doesn't look like you wish? You know, what, What's good if you don't have really anything to say during the testimony section of any, <laughs> or you dread <laughs> passing of the horrible piece? Mm. Good God, I hate passing of the piece, partly because my hands are super sweaty. And I'm just like slowly wiping it down everyone's, everyone's cotton. Ugh. But yeah, mm. I, I think... I think it's very difficult right now for us to even know what it means to be honest with each Mm. other because we're so affected by the, by the culture that we live in. You know, Sissy, we are always looking for resources that help teach kids and remind them the truth about how special they are. We sure are. And I know the ones you're about to tell our listeners about. Y'all, our friend Annie F. Downs has a brand new kids book that needs to bump to the top of your list. You may know Annie from her podcast, That Sounds Fun, from the network we're on together, the That Sounds Fun Network, or from her books for grownups. Or her first kids book, What Sounds Fun to You, that I read with Henry all the time. But we wanted to be sure that you knew about this adorable new addition to her catalog. It's called So Happy to Know You. The heart of this amazing picture book is to help your children learn early and often that being exactly who they are is the greatest gift. It's full of delightful illustrations and some alphabet fun too. An A to Z look at all the special character qualities that can show our kids some of the amazing ways God created them. With her Always Annie Magic, this book will teach the kids in your life to treasure how God made them special rather than trying to fit into others' expectations of them. Of course, because it's Annie. We need a copy for every office here at Daystar. This is a message all kids and honestly grown-ups need, right? Yes. So happy to know you is out now and you want to grab a copy wherever you like to buy books. Don't miss this chance to tell the kids in your life just how special they are. We're so happy to know you by our dear friend Annie F. Downs. Available on Amazon and wherever books are sold. David, did you ever let your kids have gummy vitamins when they were little? We sure did. It was the only way to get them to take their vitamins. For a long time, Henry would only take the gummy vitamins too. That's because they are basically candy in disguise. Most kids' vitamins are filled with sugar and chemicals. We didn't want him having all that junk. Vitamins are supposed to be good for you. That's why I'm so glad we found Haya Kids Vitamins. Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk. Haya was formulated with the help of nutritional experts to include a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies and 15 essential vitamins and minerals, essential for supporting immunity, energy, brain function, mood, concentration, basically all the things we see kids for in our office. Yes, it's amazing that a little chewable vitamin can help support all these areas of development for kids. But of course, we know kids don't really care about all that health stuff. Henry's favorite thing about Hyatt is still the customizable jar that came with his first order. 
we have worked out a special deal with Hyatt for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To grab this deal, go to HyattHealth.com RBG. This deal is not available on their regular website. So go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash RBG and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. David, did you get your taxes finished? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> what are you eating? Okay, I am obsessed with these new Chipotle barbecue kettle chips. Will you share? I would have, but they are all gone. Where'd you get them? Thrive Market. Oh, how much do we love Thrive Market? I could record an entire podcast about that topic. You know who else loves Thrive Market? Patches. She loves the surf and turf meaty littles from the Honest Kitchen. I love that Patches has a surf and turf situation going on. (laughs) From pets to kids to grownups, everyone can find things they love at Thrive. Thrive Market is my go-to for all my grocery and household essentials and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to my doorstep is a huge time saver. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories and I can use their on-site filters to suit my lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with a few clicks. And as a Thrive Market member, I save money on every single grocery order. On average, I save over 30% each time. They even have a deals page that changes daily and always has some of my favorite brands. David, how much did you save on your last order? I saved $32. I saved over $12.67. How much did Patches save? (laughs) A lot. She's ordering more than I am. You got me hooked on ordering frozen foods. I got salmon, bacon, and pork this month. Something else I love is when you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. I love that too. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash RBG for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash RBG. Thrivemarket.com slash RBG. You know, I've never even thought about it till you said that, but we have talked so much in, you know, 30 years of counseling kids and families. We have never seen parents feel as much like failures as we're hearing in our offices Aww. these days. And 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 the juxtaposition of social media and this presentation of you should be able to be this perfect parent. And these are all the things that we're seeing. And the awareness and the drive in some ways towards more vulnerability and honesty, the two things coming together, I would think here we are opening up about our failures, but then the opposite in front of us is in front of us all the time. So I, I would think that's even driving some of the feeling of I'm just 
not there when we sure all three want you to hear us saying, if you're listening, no one's there. That is yeah. not what this is. And even in our work, I'm feeling convicted as you're talking, honestly, thinking about writing a book called The Worry-Free Parent, Raising Emotionally Strong Boys. We just want y'all to hear us say, it is not really possible this side of heaven, but it's what we're moving towards. And it's yeah. what we can experience under this banner of who God is, but only because of him, not because yeah. of anything inside of us or the work that we're doing, because that's not the end of this work until we get to heaven. I bet you guys see so much therapeutic prosperity gospel because mm. I know that I see a lot of people <sighs> leaning toward a story of like, well, if I just get to perfect emotional self-management yes. and have that's the five what tools. happiness, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, okay, well, actually, I mean, our story, <laughs> our story has like great joy and great sorrow. Mm. And if it doesn't, you know, we, we practice being sad about Jesus dying every year. So feel free to just... <laughs> join us during the bummer season <laughs> if that lower range of emotion is not attractive to you we'll bring it up oh yes yes that's so good okay in this season season of the podcast we are talking about stages of development and who kids are in different seasons and what they need and we would just love to begin there by asking you, what was your favorite stage growing up and why? Mm. Oh, that's so fun. I guess, um, no, no, no. I'm going to give you my horrible answer. <laughs> I'm going to give you my horrible answer. Because <laughs> this, this checks out now. But it was, um, I went through this horrible, wonderful two and a half year period where I read every book about the Holocaust. And it turns <laughs> out that I know a lot of girls who go through the like, the Holocaust stage, but it's the first time when I could go to a library and I could read about the problems in the world and mm -hmm. that it was, and that it was like this big worldview opener that it wasn't because I had been through a very like, um, horse phase where I was just hoping that there was a horse <laughs> named Artemis out there who was going to really understand my personality. Um, but then I was like, wait a minute, there are serious sad books out there to cut to two and a half years later of like a montage of me crying. But I think what it did was it made me absolutely obsessed with the idea that there's a, that, that there are questions about the human condition that people, that there, there's not an answer to mm. that we will always struggle with what is, what is great evil, you know, personally and systemically? Uh, what, what is the value of community? Can we really save each other? Like that was the first time I was like, oh my gosh, they let me have this for a library card. So yeah, uh, that was, that was Kate Bowler ages 12 and 13. And she, she was very weepy. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that you're saying that. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of girls over the years that I have talked to through the horse face of their life. <laughs> So common, and I, I wouldn't say the Holocaust face is as common um, across the development. You. How dare you not say that that is an official stage? But, but let me say that has to do with the next question we want to ask, because I think there are parts of your Holocaust face, Kate, that very much are reflective of who you have become mm -hmm. and that you have become a person who is not afraid to walk with people towards suffering and to talk about it. And, and, and that really is, I mean, when we have, I mean, this is a new, we're working on interviews for this new season and we were talking about questions and one of them really was, we would like to know moments when you look back on your life that you would say, mm -hmm. oh, there's me. Oh, there I nice. am starting to emerge. 
And I didn't even realize that that's what was happening. And so obviously you said one or two, the combination of the two is probably where it is. (laughs) But what would you add to that? Mm, So interesting. Yeah, it's really funny. Also, just because, especially with the pandemic, a lot of women have been experimenting with hair that gets longer and longer and longer. (laughs) And I saw a friend the other day and she was like, yeah, I really feel like I'm riding the line between hot girl and horse girl with this braid. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, please write that down immediately. Okay, no. my my horse girl face is is never over. Um, I think one of my, especially when I because I, 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 I see it in my son. This um, and I was like, which superpower would you you know do you wish you could have? And he's like, oh, I just wish I knew what everyone was thinking. Mm. And I remember feeling that too. Mm. Is if I could just figure that out. I could, you know, navigate this obstacle course, which is adolescence. Mm. But it's always been the great hope with empathy is that I could be always soft enough, but astute enough to be able to read what other people, like especially people's struggles. So I love that. I love that when I see, you know, the horrible burden of empathy descend on children. <laughs> when yes. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a, a lifetime, mm. <laughs> a lifetime of learning to read and a willingness to be read. Mm. Yeah. You mentioned your amazing son and, and thinking about the stages of development with him. What's been your favorite with him so far and why? Mm. Um, he's in the pirate years right now <laughs> where Wonderful. it's just like a gentle, it's like half order treasures the world is full of treasures and uh but he's still because he's he's nine just turning 10 he Mm. still has a face that's only one layer Mm. which is so beautiful Mm. and we make up stories all the time and lately we've been making up stories about um because he was we were talking about attachment actually Mm. and he's like we're talking about why he loves his stuffy so much and why i always love stuffed animals and he's like Mom, do you think someone could fall in love with something if they just saw like a smiley face painted on the road? And I was like, oh, I bet. So now that's our new superhero is someone who, <laughs> who the second they see a smiley face, they, they're so in love. <laughs> and I just love that. But he's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, they're trying to figure out who is theirs, who cares mm. about them. The world mm. is getting a little bit bigger, but not so big, mm. but still a lot of stuffies. Mm. So, yeah, right yeah. now is my favorite stage, really. Mm. He's he's so into um <laughs> he didn't want to go to school today. And I was like, oh sweetie, like, okay, well, what what kind of job do you want to get if you don't want to go to school? He's like, I'll be an archaeologist. I'm like, sorry, buddy, you need more than third grade <laughs> for that. <laughs> you better get in there. <laughs> what would you say has been the hardest stage so far and why? To be honest, all of his stages uh, I've I've mostly just mapped onto my experience of trying to, of, of figuring out how to be his mom when I was mm. sick. Mm. So when he was very sure. little, I was, I mean, I, it, so, you know, and I have like such an obsessive intense desire not to miss anything that I've been in every stage. I've been so just so grateful to clear the hurdle of mm. like, Oh my gosh, he's getting older. I'm getting older. We're getting older. Mm. And the panic of that is going away, but the intensity about it really hasn't. Mm. So when he was little, I was just obsessed with him getting memories so that he could remember me. And then, so yeah, it's been a kind of, yeah, his development has mostly also been me trying to figure out what does it mean to be a mom that's not fully well mm. for a lot of the young stuff. Mm. It was especially hard when I was like, I had to wear a chemotherapy pack and like I couldn't be as like rough with him. So I did a lot of like sock puppets, Aww. a lot of puppetry during those years. 
I think that's why now that it's just getting more and more casual, I've, I, I can't believe we're having new problems. Hmm. You know, it's just, yeah, I have to say the whole thing feels uh, obsessively about just being so surprised that I can watch his independence from hmm. me hmm. who thought I was the, you know, the center that must hold, which I believe is a common myth. Of yes. every parent. Yes. Yes. Oh, I can't even imagine the memories that y'all are making. I mean, that. yeah, I can't even imagine just who you are and knowing that little guy getting to have those conversations with you about archaeology and superheroes and smiling faces. Sissy, how is Henry liking school this year? Oh, he loves it so much. But you know what? I can tell that sitting and paying attention all day can be hard at his age. So when he comes over to my house, I love breaking out our KiwiCo boxes so he can practice hands-on learning and creativity. That is what I love about KiwiCo. Whether it's about science or sensory play, games or geography, every crate designed by their team of experts inspires excitement, curiosity, and moments of discovery. Exactly, and kids need that kind of learning. Right now, we're really into Atlas Create, where kids can learn about the world. Henry made a globe and learned all about the continents. What an amazing way to open kids' eyes to different places and cultures. Yes, KiwiCo delivers seriously fun, hands-on projects that inspire a lifelong love for learning. And KiwiCo has crates for kids of all ages, from infants and preschoolers to teens and beyond. If you're new to KiwiCo, it's a super cool subscription for your kids that offers fun and enriching science and art projects, encouraging them to get outside, explore, and stay off their screens. And there's no long-term commitment. You can pause or cancel anytime. KiwiCo has been creating awesome family experiences for the last 10 years with over 40 million crates delivered and over 20,000 five-star reviews. Redefine learning with play. Explore hands-on projects that build creative confidence with KiwiCo. Right now, get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line at kiwico.com rbg. That's 50% off your first month at kiwico.com slash rbg. You know, David, fall is all about the back to school and back to routine checklist. And one task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. That's true. I remember worrying about that when my kids were young. That's why I'm so happy to tell parents about Fabric by Gerber Life. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. You could go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Not sure if life insurance is right for you? Take Fabric's quick 60-second quiz to find out. There's no risk to apply. They have a 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can cancel at any time. Fabric has partnered with Gerber Life, trusted by millions of families like yours for over 50 years. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com rbg. That's meetfabric.com rbg, M-E-E-T, 
fabric.com slash RBG. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states, prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Okay, when you reflect on that particularly hard season, is there anything that you wish someone had said to you? Mm-hmm. Or maybe something that someone did say to you that really stayed with you as you think mm-hmm. back on that season? Well, I learned something that I didn't really want to learn when I had to open my house up to everybody because I had such a round robin of people visiting and uh, so much sort of health chaos is having everybody there all the time really did change my parenting because I Mm -hmm. couldn't be the, you know, I wasn't going to be the intermediary between him and everybody else. It was, I was going to have to allow a lot of people to parent him. And that was very uncomfortable for me at first because I'm obsessed with him and he smelled like cookies. And I was like, (laughs) get away from my marshmallow, you know? Um, But watching how quickly he developed a like really, really healthy trust for other people and and loves Mm -hmm. their routines and their little habits. I mean, like still my parents talk with him on Skype almost every night and just listening to them have their own adorable little habits. I wouldn't have picked any of it, but the idea that I'm not an island has become central to how I hope I will continue to raise him. It's like, all right, this, your, your kid is a group project, whether you like it or not. So Mm. may as well kind of settle into which people you can really trust to supplement the parts that you can't, that like can't or won't always provide. Mm. What wise words. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Couldn't be I more true. That. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, so we would love to know some of your favorite parenting advice you've ever heard along oh. the way. I feel like you have given people lots of their favorite parenting advice just in this conversation. But what would you say is something that has has taken root inside of you that someone said to you? Mm. I guess I love it. I, this I learned from an old, my um, old Mennonite church growing up had some wonderful group parenting. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, so I developed a couple little habits I took from watching, watching this sweet little, uh, church of Mennonite misfits. But one, um, Mr. Litz was abundantly formal with, with all of his daughters in a way Mm -hmm. that bestowed great dignity on them at all times. (laughs) And it, like, it made me laugh every, but being overly formal with children, like, (laughs) It's like, I do it all the time and I love seeing it in other people, but treating their little lives like there's a like great ceremony is needed. Mm. Um, hello, Miss Rachel. Thank you so much for, <laughs> for, for bestowing your presence upon us. Because like every little kid, if they feel like they're somehow on your level, they're just like the stories, the... So I find I, I do it at the pool. I do it like, oh, hello, hello, Mr. Trevor. Uh, I, I like treating them like they're tiny royalty. It makes me laugh and it makes them laugh. Uh, but yeah, great, great formality, I think, because their brains are wonderful. And then mm. I'll find little treasures. My friend uh, Catherine is the person I co-parent with the most. And I've learned so much from her about uh, graduated independence She's constantly making like a scavenger hunt and then sending her kids off to help them learn independence. I do not want my child to learn. (laughs) And uh, I have to say, watching other people not activate their giant fear response has been really important for me because I have like hyper anticipatory. Mm. Let me just put every Band-Aid on in advance Mm. kind of attitude. 
So letting, letting, letting her kids not need her has been such an inspiration. So yeah, mm-hmm. mine is being obsessed with the idea that underneath in their skulls is a great, incredible story. And uh, so I'm very good at getting to know like a kid's very strange habits. <laughs> <laughs> and she's wonderful at like setting them off on an adventure that I don't plan on them having. And somewhere <laughs> in there, I think is probably my greatest, uh, my, my, the greatest description of whatever it is I'm doing. Mm. Okay, we like to move from parenting to food. We somehow find our way there in every episode. (laughs) And a few questions we'd love to ask you that are food related. First would be, what family meal would you say defined your growing up or what meal (laughs) will likely define your son's growing up? Mm. (laughs) Well, um, I would say that the three of us didn't exactly uh, grow up during the great culinary renaissance we are now experiencing. (laughs) So the meal of my childhood was a thing my dad invented, quote unquote, called hamburger soup goop, which was like like a whole can of vegetable soup and then ground beef. (laughs) And I think uh, ketchup, ketchup on top. And that was, that was Tuesday through Thursday. And uh, yeah, it was the era. It was the canned era. But that is the um, unbelievably, hilariously low rent approach that I (laughs) (laughs) breakfast for dinner. Great. That's the um, everyone's going to be okay Mm. attitude toward food. So, yeah, hamburger soup goop changed my life. (laughs) And uh, and I think most of the food that we do now that he'll remember is uh, we go camping a lot. Mm. So there's just a world of pancakes. It's also the two ingredient box mix. There you go. Wonderful. Okay, well, we talk a lot about tacos on this podcast as well, and we love to know what's your favorite. My favorite taco? Your yeah. favorite taco. You oh can dream gosh, as I, big as you want. I like how you're saying this to someone who grew up in Manitoba. I know. Like a taco was like, do you remember those box kids? That's all we had. We were square on the Ortega. bottom. It was the yeah. quote-unquote invention in order to make them stable. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm the, I am the world's most basic person. I just want someone else to make it. And uh, and if anyone puts anything adventurous on there, I'm just like, take me there. Take me there. <laughs> I don't deserve it, but I want to go. Ah, that's so good. Well, we're going to be kind of near you. How far is Charlotte from you? About two and a half hours. Oh, that's not near you. I was going to say you could give us a taco recommendation, but that's too far. <laughs> I only know the meatballs of the local Ikea. <laughs> Should you choose to uh, meander over that way? That sounds wonderful. Oh, I mean, I would like to come up with 10 more questions just to keep you on the call Mm -hmm. with us. You You guys, I so appreciate you. You're like fonts of compassion. And uh, I'm just so grateful for your ministry. You make Mm. people kinder, all of us. We are so, you do the same. You make us kinder and deeper and more thoughtful and reflective and so many different things. And you are every bit as lovely and delightful as we knew you yes, would be you are. in person. You should know, though, that when I go home, it's your podcast I see on my friends, uh, <laughs> on my friends' iPhones, and it makes me feel cool right now. You're so I'm going to bring that up. So Accurate. Accurate. So it's kind. true story. You come highly recommended that's by great. Carolyn from home. Well, that's Thank you compliment. for giving us this time. It oh my gosh, been a guys. joy to be in your Let's company. Let's do it again. Yes. We'd love anytime. To. Anytime. Thank you. Okay. And well, if come you make by. your way to Nashville, I will. We would love fun. to hang out with you. Yes. I love that.
Did you love today's episode? If so, would you mind sharing it with a friend? Send a quick text or email with the link to the show. Join us next time for another episode where we'll bring you help and hope on your journey of raising boys and girls. 